You're listening to BGO Blind Pig, BGO's official roundtable discussion of all things D.C. football. Come pull up a chair, pour a libation of your choosing, and join in some passionate D.C. football debate. BGO, a burgundy and gold obsession, is the most passionate, intelligent community of Washington football fans on the web since 2009. Join us at www.bgobsession.com. As we will. What's up, fellas? Good to see you back for another episode of the Blind Pig, courtesy of bgobsession.com. Oh, quick with the intros, and then we'll just step into that pile of poo. Top left is Neophyte. <laughs> His real name is Bob. Thanks, man. Bottom <laughs> left is John. You can find him as Boone. Bottom right is Paul. He hails as Canadian Hog. Top right is me. <clears throat> My name is Derek, and I hail as Silent Threat. So, uh, without further ado, I guess we can jump. I will ask you a question before we get into that. Um, and it's kind of related, and there's going to be a segue into it. But... Monday night, Taylor Heineke was on tape, on video at the Caps game, chugging a beer, appearing to enjoy himself. And apparently now there are people that feel that it's unacceptable, that he needs to be sulking the same level of sulk that we have. Um, I'm curious to hear you guys react. Um, I'll leave it to the floor and then I'll respond at the end. It's dumb. I mean, it's it's dumb fan stuff. You know, these guys work their ass off. They don't get much downtime in season. I don't know. He, he could probably, I, I, if I were him, I would just probably not let people videotape me, whether I'm on the team plane or, or at out, you know, public events, pounding the Bud Light because he just opens himself up to it. But it, it's kind of a stupid fan thing to complain. You know, like, yeah, that if it wasn't for that one Bud Light, you know, we might have a chance against San Francisco. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, Apparently I, I, it was planned too. It was planned, some kind of a planned celebration, you know, related to Ovi's celebration. Um, so anyway, that's, that's what I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm with John. These guys, you know, they're just like the rest of us. And I don't, uh, I don't sit around at night mad about stuff that happened at work. I have, it's not good for my health. Right. It's it's not good for anybody's health. You got to go do something else. And I feel fairly certain he spent plenty of time in Ashburn Monday staring at tape, doing whatever it is they do on recovery day. Um, I don't know if they had Tuesday off this week because it's a short week for the team. But typically Tuesday's the off day for the team. And, and my guess is he had ticket those tickets to the Caps game for a couple of weeks minimum. Right. This was a this was the plan for a while. And so. Yeah, I don't, uh-uh, I'm, non-story, non-story. Go have a good time, get it off your mind, get yourself right to play San Francisco. And if going to a Caps game helps, go to a Caps game, drink a beer. We got to get, get him on some decent beer, though, Bob, man. The True. Light, man that's just, mm, that doesn't reflect well. Yeah, I don't know what's available at Caps games, though. So, you know, I mean, that might be the best of what he had options for, John. <laughs> I, I agree with both of you. Uh, that said as well, I think it only becomes a little bit of a story because of the timing of it all. If, you know, this happened in, let's say, the end of September, you know, after a tough loss, I don't think anybody would be, uh, you know, hooting and hollering about it. Uh, but the fact that here we are late season with a real opportunity to get into the playoffs and, you know, arguably dropping the most important game of the season 
that's going to naturally put people up in arms about it. There's no issue with it with me personally, but I'm just trying to, you know, possibly explain as to why people would be so upset about it. Now, provided they come out on Saturday, I was going to say Sunday, but provided they come out on Saturday and, you know, look prepared and look the part of a professional football team, uh, it's it's a non-issue like the two of you have said. Yeah, just to double, just to put a bow on it, I agree with all of you guys. Uh, I think the guy, I think fans sometimes forget that these guys are human. Uh, and they forget that that's a job, and they they also forget that you know I mean we live and die six days a week for production on Sunday, but those guys are grinding those six days a week for that production on Sunday. So um, their their work week isn't three hours, and then the rest of it's voluntary. Uh, they're, they're they're busting their ass. He's probably he's probably working as hard or harder than anybody on the on that team, and. The only two people I would even probably put into the into that conversation might be Allen and McLaurin, um, just because you can tell they're grinders. Plus some other guys like Reeves and others. But the guy was out. It's a Monday night. It's their day off. They don't even put the installation in, into the offense until Wednesday anyway, even on a short week. Um, and I would venture to guess that he got approached by the Capitals weeks ago, as well as numerous other guys on the team. And they uh, they said, hey, guys, why don't you come out? We'll put you in a box. We'll hook you up with some swag. You guys pick a jersey you want. And uh, all we ask of you is that, you know, you let us film you in the middle of the third period for, you know, to try to rile the crowd up a little bit, you know. And yeah. so we might, we don't know. We saw a nine-second clip. That could have been the only nine seconds he wasn't sitting there with his hand on his head because he was asked by the team to be a hype man, you know. Yeah. So I, it's a non-story in my opinion. In fact, I'm almost happy to see it because, yeah. you know, the, the last thing I want him doing is overanalyzing every throw and then going into this game scared. Uh, you know, like you have to have a work-life balance and you have to be able to step away and you have to be, he's got to be happy. He's not going to be, he is not going to produce if he's not happy. And they, that goes for anybody on that team, you know. This isn't the this isn't the uh, the love boat in Minnesota, or you know, with with Smoot and the guys that were out and partying, and then they were late to practice. No, it's it's a non-story in my opinion. So I agree with you guys wholeheartedly. So, so you mentioned Allen and McLaurin, and uh, I, I don't know if you guys caught it before you came on, but they just announced the Pro Bowl selections for 2022. We I did. Three, we have three starters: Allen, McLaurin, and I'm really happy. Excuse me, Allen. What Tressway and Jeremy Reeves is a starter on special teams. And then McLaurin got his first Pro Bowl nod, uh, which is kind of sad. If the guy ever, if we ever get a quarterback in here, he's going to, he'll be a perennial starting Pro Bowler probably. But anyway, that was exciting. Uh, I think that's the most we've had. The first time we've had three starters named since like 2004 Two. or something like that. 2002. Yeah, it's been a while. So anyway, that's good. That's good stuff. All those guys are deserving. We haven't talked about Jeremy Jeremy Reeves a lot this year, so I feel kind of bad about that. And the the, the really cool thing about our um, Pro Bowl selections as well is it covers all three facets of the game. We got some special teamers in there. We got a defensive starter. We got an offensive starter. When I read that today and when I saw that today, 
um, it just reminded me about, you know, how close we are to being a complete team. There's obviously that, that missing piece at quarterback. And I mean, this, this team can certainly go places, but obviously we need to fill that need tremendously. I I think if, um, if Deron Payne were on another team, he'd be on the pro bowl as well. I think it's, they don't want to put two, you know, D linemen uh, from the same team in the pro bowl, but. Well, I want to say he was marked as a reserve. Well, I guess say who's the other starter. I mean, if it's, if it's Aaron Donald, then you know what happened and he's going to make the pro bowl regardless. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, Um, just off reputation, he hasn't even had a fantastic, he hasn't had a great year. Well, and he's, he's now going to have, he, he now missed his first game ever due to injury. I don't think they IR'd him, but that could have changed. You know, I, I the sad part is I think you can make legitimate arguments for a couple of more guys to be starters. Cam Curl is may very well be the best starting safety in the NFC right now. And and the fact that he's not a starter, I think, is almost criminal. Um trying to find the stupid tweet. Yeah, I think we, I we think had two or three offensive point. linemen that yeah. yeah there we go. Be cut. Starters Allen, Way, and Reeves. Reserve McLaurin, uh, and then also Payne is a first alternate, and Montez Sweat is a second alternate. Okay, that makes sense. Interesting. Sweat. So, so if if who now I'm gonna while we're talking, I'm gonna try to find out who the other starters are. But could you imagine if if three guys were to decide they're not gonna play, and then the Pro Bowl defensive line is Sweat, Payne, and Allen? Now, obviously, they're not playing a game, but but three-fourths of the D-line is represented as for the NFC and the Pro Bowl is our D-line. That's crazy to think about. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We want to make sure that you don't miss out on any future BGO Blind Pig podcasts. On our YouTube channel, simply hit the subscribe button. If you're listening to BGO Blind Pig via Apple Podcasts or another podcast provider, go to our description page and click that follow button. All right, let's get to it, man. We had heartbreak and suffering last Saturday Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember. Um, Sunday. Um, If I could just jump on this thing real quick. Uh, I don't – in the moment, I was pissed off. I was shocked. I was mad. But the more you think about it, at least me myself, the more I think about it, this game was no different than the last seven games. The bounces just didn't go our way this time. Uh, We didn't recover the fumble, you know, in the red zone. Which one? We had four of them. <laughs> right, right. We uh, we, we, only could, get, we only recovered half of them. We didn't get the call in the end zone. We didn't, you know, for seven weeks we've been we've been playing other than the game against Houston, just on a razor thin edge, where you can't afford to make mistakes. You know that we lost two. No, yeah, we, we had, had two. I, no, Heineke, Heineke fumbled twice, both of which were lost. Gibson fumbled and recovered it. And uh, our all-star, uh, Mr. Robinson Jr., fumbled 
uh, and recover it or some well, the 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 two by the running backs were not recorded officially as fumbles they are not in the official stats the only thing in the official stats are the two Heineke lost right so but we have been playing this game for seven weeks and six of the seven weeks we ended up getting the bounces and we just ran out of gas I think um this game I think was winnable I don't know if you guys agree with me uh, there was a lot left on the field, at least from looking back at tape. Bob, you mentioned that you've looked at more tape on this game than you have in a while. Yeah. I, I yeah. feel like we left at least 17 points on the field. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. I And most of the tape, I, I actually all of the tape that I've looked at this week was offensive um, because I was just trying to figure some stuff out. And I want to I want to kind of start at the beginning. Uh, and I know there's a lot of people that are really upset with that with that. Taylor Heineke fumble Thibodeau recovery in the end zone and, uh, and, and mad at Taylor. I'm mad about the play call. And I know that I probably sound like a broken record, but I'm sitting there watching that play over and over again today. And I guess I watched it for about the fourth time and it finally hit me. I was looking at five offensive linemen, nobody in tight Taylor operating in an empty backfield from what his 10 yard line. Seven yards out of shotgun, too, right? Out Is of it- the shotgun, yeah. I mean, he's almost standing on the end zone to begin with, no running back in the backfield. So, immediately, the defense knows it's going to be a pass. You have no tight end in to help Leno, or, or, um, was it Cosme or was it Lucas on the other side the other night? I believe it was Lucas Cosme played inside, but I might be mixing that up with the I may, uh, first Yeah, I may be too. We're, you know, we're moving our offensive linemen around like Lego. Um, but, you know, I just, I just stared at that and I thought, what the hell were we thinking inside our own 10-yard line running an empty backfield set without and sending five guys into the pattern? I mean, there wasn't even anybody into chip. And, it, and I, Heine, it's not like Heineke held the ball. Granted, he probably could have gotten rid of it a little quicker. I'll be, you know, he, he's got a little bit, he's got some skin in this game too. I think, and none of the views I've been able to see, I think Gibson was open on the far sideline. Uh, and, and that's who he was looking at. And I think that's who, where he was winding up to go. But I, I don't understand that play call. At that place in the field, you want to do that on the 50 yard line. Okay. I get it. But there. No, yeah, that's a, that's a rush Robinson three times in punt. Yes. Part of the field. I think you're hundred percent right on that. I, I really, this was one of the, I know you guys have beat on Scott. Well, I, I beat on Scott Turner as well, but not as much as not as um, joyously as you guys have over the course of the year, but it just felt like, I don't know what the hell the game plan was, but it didn't seem it was the polar opposite of the Philly win where it looked like we just knew what, how to defeat them and went about doing it. Um, I mean, I, uh, first of all, we owned the first quarter. We all, the giants only had the ball for three minutes and 41 seconds of the first quarter. And we came out of that quarter with a whopping three points. You want to hear and, the scary part of that? And we also punted from the giants 34 or a four yard uh, net. They net. Ha- you bring that up. They held the ball for three minutes and 41 seconds in that first quarter. 301 was the last 301. They showed a graphic where we had the ball for 11 minutes and 20 seconds. Yep. 
and they had it for 40 seconds. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, so that's another slow start. And and then, and I know you're going to say it, so I'll just go ahead and preempt you. What what in God's name you've got Robinson averaging seven yards a carry, more than seven yards a carry, Gosh. and you just decide in the second half, well, we don't know. I mean, it's not like we were down 21 points for God's sake. Why did he abandon the run? And I've heard I've heard every pundit and every, every any idiot fan can seize on that and say why. But I mean that if it's so obvious, why you have to you have to wonder where is Rivera? Where is I get that Scott Turner has his reasons. I'm sure he does have. If he was here to explain why he did what he did, I'm sure he could intelligently explain it in his own mindset. But at some point, the head coach has to say, "Look." run the damn ball. We, we, that's, that's how we're going to win this game. And then on the other side of it, even though the defense and people are right, the defense held them to 13 points. Um, that's a pretty good effort on any, any Sunday in the NFL, but he, Daniel Jones, that's a little misleading because Daniel Jones ate us alive with the dink and dunk passing. And I almost, he did not beat us with his feet, but I almost feel like we spent so much time preventing him from getting out of the pocket mm-hmm. that we didn't put pressure on Daniel Jones at all. We didn't sack him once. In fact, we, Taylor Heineke is the one that was getting sacked, not Daniel Jones. And that's with our D line. That's just not acceptable. You've got to get in there. And that that's the way that you get to Daniel Jones is you put him in the dirt. You, you know, you rough him up. I'm not, I mean, he's going to get a, he's going to get some scrambles regardless but I, I don't know how else to explain how we did not get pressure on him. The only other explanation is they just kicked our ass at the line of scrimmage. We had, we had no sacks and we had no, we had one tackle for a loss. When was the last game our defense had no sacks and one tackle for a loss? In the most important game of the season against but, an opponent that everyone Everyone in the NFL would probably agree we have more talent than. Look, I'm so I'm sorry, guys. I got to interrupt you. Who cares? Like to put it lightly, all that matters is we gave up 13 flipping points. If you hold a team to 13 points in the NFL, you should win a football game. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. The defense did their job. They yes, they didn't sack him. Yes, they had zero That's tackles for loss. But at the same time, right. They were dedicated on this podcast two weeks ago. We said, you stack the line. You don't move if you don't get clean penetration. You maintain your gaps. So you know what? They did it. And they didn't get themselves rushed out of position. Saquon no, Barkley right. didn't beat you. You're, you gave up. You're, you're you not wrong, up. Derek. And yeah. but you're not points. wrong. I, I, here's, you know what? You know what's funny? I mean, I, I did the math. I think if we fix the officiating calls that everybody and their mother's been screaming about for three days now, um, the Redskins win the game. Redskins Washington wins the game 21-20. Just off blown calls. The two-point conversion should have stood. We had- t- Robinson's touchdown should have stood. There's your eight points right there. Now it's a tie ball game. You bring Joey Sly in for the touchdown and to, for the extra point after the touchdown. Wow, yeah. And it's 21-20, right? And that's and that's just off two blown calls. And we all know there were more than two. And I'm not even talking about the ones that didn't get called. Oh, my gosh. Jamin Davis got positively molested about four times. 
I'm not a bear hugged and just shut down. It, it, I mean, we, it wasn't even a pretense of blocking. It was absolutely, he wasn't holding. It was cuddling. You know, <laughs> like, ah, I'm sorry. Come on, Bob. Tell us what you thought, man. Well, I'm just, yeah. I, I mean, Paul. <laughs> oh yeah. Go for it, Paul, please shut me down. <laughs> no, I, I'm right. I'm right there with you, Bob. I, I feel everything you guys are saying, but um, I don't know. Like I watched this game. I sat there and the fact is when, when it was time to make a play in this game, we didn't. Um, you go back to the fourth and nine. Like I was ready to turn my TV off at fourth and nine. I sat through the rest of that game after they converted that, um, you know, and I sat there basically feeling numb. Like I knew how the game was going to transpire after that point. Uh, at the most critical moments in ball game, we just fell flat on our face. Even when you think back to, I mean, it was a minor point, but when you think back to New York's final offensive drive in the game where they were able to tack on another three points, Saquon Barkley was gashing us for 10 plus yard uh, runs, I believe on three occasions. So w- when it was time to step up, time and time again we just we failed on Sunday um and I don't know what you attribute that to if it's a lack of preparation um if it's an inability to rise up to the occasion in the big moments I don't know what it is but we just we we couldn't produce when we needed to and to me that reflects who this team has been so often in the past and that's a really concerning and frustrating point for me um you know at some point you have to be able to prove that you can turn a corner and it just seems like we're spinning our tires you know well you have to stay around the corner right i mean i feel like we've proven we can turn the corner multiple times in the last four or five weeks but once you turn the corner you have to actually stay around the corner and and we we turn the corner and we stay there for two or three days, two or three games, whatever you want to call it. And then we take that step back around the corner, like, oh, I'm not sure we're supposed to be here. So we're going to go back where we belong. And it just, because the talent's there. The plays were there to be made. But, I, but this kind of goes back to my original point. This is the game that we have played. They have been, well, let me rephrase that, because the offensive scheme was different for six of these eight games there's been max protect there's been two tight ends on the field there's been a chipping lot but for some reason we got away from it but largely this has been this has been the template of this the defense will keep you close the offense you just hope the offense can do just enough to win the game and we didn't do just enough to win the game we had some help not doing just enough but we clearly didn't do just enough look and Unfortunately, and um, Bob, if you said you looked at the, the tape, I went back, I saw three or four plays where we had wide receivers running open for walk-in touchdowns. And there was either not enough time in the pocket, mm-hmm. which tells me Scott Turner's out of touch because you cannot be scheming up plays that are that long developing and then be like, well, look, my offense creates openings. Yeah, but your quarterback doesn't have to get rid of t- get, have the time to get rid of the damn football. There's another play to Curtis Samuel along the right sideline where Curtis Samuel has to make a, an absolutely acrobatic catch and did his toe taps. He is six yards in front of the defensive back 
almost any NFL arm is able to hit him walking into a touchdown. Yeah, if that ball's down, down, he's yeah. I mean, it was a numbers, great play, but it could have been so much better. Yeah, throw it down the numbers with some velocity, and he walks into the end zone. It so. I, I'm sorry. This is this this is where we are this year. We are paper thin. Sorry, the defense is going to hopefully keep the other team under 20. We would have had we not given up a sack fumble for a touchdown. And you just hope you can score 20 and win the football game. Well, we're going to tailor Heineke our way right out of the playoffs. I hate to say it because, and I'm not saying, and I I know, I I don't say it on Twitter because I watch other people say it and get pummeled. You know, whether it's Wentz or whether it's Hal, just change something, man. I mean, yeah, do we know that Wentz would be any better? He might be worse. Yeah, he might be. But you know what? We know what Taylor's doing, and, and, he, and he's been doing it. And it, nothing. And I just want to say we're going up against the number one defense in the league. What do you think is going to change with, with Taylor? I don't – and, I, I mean, that's just my opinion. At some point, you have to reach a point where you're like, you know what? The guys deserve a chance to win. We have – I mean, first of all, my God, what kind of an indictment is it on Ron Rivera if he if – he, if it only took five games to turn Wentz from a guy you want to pay $28 million to and give up picks to, I don't trust you to come in as the backup <laughs> when my primary is not getting the job done. I mean, at some point, I'm telling you right now, I have, I have almost no doubt that we win that game if Carson Wentz plays because he can hit open receivers. I, I I feel that way. Well, maybe maybe I, a lot of people if we run the same and game I'm not a plan. Wentz fan. I'm just saying. Yeah. And and Derek, go go, Derek. You're going to say what I'm going to say. If we run the system we've run for the last six right. weeks with Wentz, yes, I agree. If we run the system we ran the first five weeks, we probably lose worse. That's what's the most infuriating thing is we might have a better option. First off, we do have a better option. Heineke could be better if the offense was different. In my opinion, I think Heineke. I think we're still leaving points on the – now, that doesn't mean Heineke's going to be, he's, gonna be scoring no, don't, 30. Dude, I don't, don't think he's – Yeah, don't don't shake your head about – so go back and watch that first drive after halftime. Every single ball in the air was a play-action ball. And the Giants bit on play-action every single time. Terry McLaurin was wide open, half of those. And when he wasn't, he still got the football. And guess what? When he was totally covered up, what did we do? We rolled Taylor out of the pocket and hit a wide open Jahan Dotson. That was a, oh my gosh, if that's the only thing Scott Turner sends me as, as a, an applicant for my position as offensive coordinator, I'm hiring him. That was a brilliant they're set of not, plays. They're not, they're not mutually exclusive. Correct. I didn't say, no, Scott, I'm not saying Scott, No, I'm just saying Scott Turner can suck and make mine numbingly bizarre decisions on play calling and Heineke can be not an NFL starter who can't hit wide open receivers. Look, I agree. So it's not either or both of those can be true at the same time. The point I was making, I think, I think this offense can be better currently with a better Mm -hmm. offensive scheme. I think it can be that much better with a better offensive scheme and a better court and better production at the quarterback. Heineke is not the guy. And if anybody wants to sit here and argue that Heineke can be a long-term starter in the NFL, I don't know what to tell you because we've seen it for 22 freaking games. We've seen it. We've seen the worst rated offense in I mean, the he, league. He's, he's a sub 60% completion guy. 
like consistently. I know and the, on the, sad, thing is, the sad thing is he probably gets four or five percentage points from 50-50 balls where his receiver makes the catch, uh, not the other way around. Anyway, it is what it is, right? And I'm but not it, trying it, to pile. Believe no, me. No, no, it's all good, man. We're just all frustrated. I, his, I do think not though, coming down. It's going to be there forever. I love the guy. But I do think that it had the feel of like the, the old way we lose. The old, the, you know what I'm saying? The big game, we all get hyped up again, and then we get disappointed. And it's, I don't know if you've heard the Sam Kennison bit where he talks about love, you know, there's love, there's the door, and love's behind it. Love's talking to him, and he's like, come on, Sam, open the door. It's love. It's love. <laughs> open the door. I wouldn't lie to you three fucking times in a row. Open the door, and then he opens the door, and it's like, ah, love again. <laughs> that's what it feels like. And I, I mean, I'm telling you, for guys to not watch the second half who are diehard, lifelong fans, and I know some of those people, that is pathetic. And I know, um, I think Paul was in chat and he said, I just have to go, guys. I can't, <laughs> I can't process this anymore in public. I have to go, like, you know, into a dark room somewhere and finish watching the game. But anyway, I don't think it's going to change until we have a quarterback and possibly a new offensive coordinator. Possibly. Yeah, I think so, we'll win a couple of these. We very well may lose a couple of these. And then I think we're, when we run into a real offense in the playoffs, it's gonna it, it's not going to be in, enjoyable. So the playoffs, I just looked at – I mean, obviously, if we win out, we're in, right? If we win two of three and – the only thing we would need to have happen if we win two of the next three, which is not an easy given, but either Seattle or the Lions would have to lose a game of their last three. So if we can win two and, and one of those teams doesn't sweep the remaining games we're in, the Lions play the Panthers at the Panthers versus the Bears and at the Packers. Probably the Packers are... We need both of them to not sweep. Is that right? Because right now we're already behind Dallas and New York. We're t- essentially two games behind New York because of the tiebreaker. So chances are we're not going to catch them. So we're it's the three-way between Washington, Detroit, and Seattle fighting for that third uh, that that third playoff spot. Seattle plays at the Chiefs versus the Jets, who are still in it, and versus the Rams, who of course aren't in it, but are st- can still put up a fight. Yeah, if we if we if we go two and one, and they all they they both go two and one, we make it by half a game. If we go two and one, and one of those go three and zero, oh, then they're half a game ahead of us because we can't tie them unless one of them ties somebody, which would just be a perfect bow on it to lose on like a home points scored against like opponents bullshit or something that. Sorry. And that's that that's what my fear is at this point in the season, because I feel like we're teetering on that line where we're going to have to start depend depending on scoreboard watching. And when you're at this point in the season and you have to start depending on scoreboard watching, you are setting yourself up nine times out of ten for disappointment. Um we have to take care of our own business and I don't know, I just the, the way this offense performs, I don't think that that is a feasible possibility given the strength of opponents that we have to play in these last three weeks. So before we talk about San Fran, I want to um, – I just want to say one other thing about the officiating. 
in the Giants game. I did go back because the way I feel, and sometimes the way you feel when you actually look at the numbers doesn't, it's not validated, you know, it's just the way it feels. Um, because all fans think that uh, officials have it out for their team, right? I think that's probably a kind of a universal thing. But we are 17th in penalties this year in terms of the most penalties called. So we're right pretty much middle of the pack. Middle of the pack. So that kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, I guess it doesn't tell the whole story because really what I think what's killing killed us a couple of times is in the biggest moments, we seem to get these mystery calls. And I will never forget that SOB who, you know, with McLaurin, and I don't know what went down with the two of them, but he had his hand in his hand went in the pocket while they were still talking. He yeah. he knew he was gonna throw the flag. That flag it, was coming out no matter what. I will I will never I will never understand that call. And then to follow it up with a, you know, missing the blatant, the obvious, you know, um pass interference call. It's just and, only and only Washington gets that kind of a call. I think no, I, I think to the bigger point there, you said that we're 17th. Yeah, we're in the middle of the pack. But I think that that that's a bigger issue because we're not the only ones that I've seen get just completely you know, mm-hmm. hosed by like it's getting to the point that the referees are affecting the game almost too much. Mike Florio spent 20 minutes on on bad refereeing this weekend and I'm not even sure that our game was the one he was the most upset about. I take that back. He he said outright the call he was most upset about was actually the McLaurin call because he felt like M- M- McLaurin checked in and, and there was communication between he and the referee. And so the, the flag then coming out after the fact was just almost like a complete betrayal of the code between wide receivers and line judges. And, and I haven't heard much what every wide receiver that I've seen interviewed. I mean, Collinsworth basically said it on the broadcast. I, I, I and just, I haven't heard the NFL come out with anything this week as far as an apology, an explanation. I haven't. I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but no, I haven't heard it. No, I, I think heard it would have been I, all over Twitter, John. The other I thing I just want to go ahead. I'm sorry, Derek. I haven't heard the NFL come out with an apology for probably the last three or four years. No, they, they. I read something earlier this season about an apology went to a team over some officiating call, and I forget, and I, I forget which team it was or which game or weekend. But I don't want been, an apology. I want a fucking do over, man. That's, <laughs> that would be the only fair thing. But I, I just want it right, and I want it fair. As long as we get that, we have nothing to bitch about. So you have to wonder. This is the last thing I'll say about it. Because, you know, a lot of times we start talking, I mean, fans start talking, it sounds like a conspiracy theory. But, you know, they have cozied up, they have invited organized gambling into the NFL. They're they're part and parcel to it now. How are you going to stop? I'm not saying that guy had his neighbor, uh, you know, invest his mortgage um, on the Giants winning that game. But how would you ever know if he had? Right. And that's the kind of call that makes you wonder. It really does make you wonder, seriously, did this guy have an, a vested interest? Because I don't understand. I don't think anyone can explain why you would make that call in that situation. It's bad for the league. It's totally unfair to the to the t- players and the fans. I just don't get it. And so, I don't know. I think it's going to – I'll even say this. I think at some point there's going to be a scandal because – some official 
has his hand in the cookie jar and is manipulating the game. It's going to happen. That was Florio's point. That was Florio's point. But, you know, to kind of back up a little bit, John, it's we did ourselves wrong in a whole bunch of different circumstances between us and the officials Sunday night. We kept doing the things that to steal a page out of Derek's commentary from earlier, we haven't been doing for six weeks now. We were behind the sticks a lot Sunday night. We were we were stuck in second and ten, third and twelve, where we we really haven't been. That that whole play with Thibodeau doesn't happen if Lucas doesn't hold on the play before that. He negated an eleven yard run by by Robinson. No, by Gibson. Right. It was an eleven yard run and a first down because he had his hand outside the guy's shoulder pad and it was i mean they went back and focused on him and he did it from the beginning of the play it's not like the guy suddenly shifted and was getting away from him he was holding from the snap and he was doing it on the outside where at least two receivers had a or uh, two referees had a clear view of his hand every high school offensive lineman in the nation knows they're going to get called going to get flagged for holding if they do that and yet a guy making a million dollars a year does it without thinking about it i get it and i agree with i mean i agree with anyone that i I agree with you and anyone that says you know if you're if you're you make the mistakes that end up putting it in the officials hands that's on you um but that doesn't change the fact that that could have been a historic victory we could have we could have gotten that touchdown, gotten the two-point conversion, taken it to overtime and won the game. We, it could have happened easily. So a question, because I had a thought during the game. There were moments I thought we were playing really well. But even in the moments I thought we were playing really well, I didn't feel like this team had a tremendous amount of intensity Sunday night. Was that just me? Not at all. I mean, even in our best moments, I thought, I'm not feeling a lot of emotion from this football team. I'm not feeling a lot of urgency from this football team. From the opening kickoff, it felt like a stroll in the park. Even when Robinson was running people over, it didn't really feel like we were completely in the game. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, if you enjoy the BGO Blind Pig podcast, you may enjoy the video version. Visit YouTube and search BGO Blind Pig to access over 100 previous episodes. However you enjoy BGO Blind Pig, we thank you for listening. You're, you're right when you say that, Bob. The, the one moment in the game where I felt like the intensity did get dialed up was that drive where we heavily involved McLaurin uh, in early in the second half. That was it. Beyond that, the team was flat. And that has characterized many, many important moments in Ron Rivera's tenor with this team. In the most important of moments, we are flat. We've talked about slow starts in the past. I mean, th- th- this game, in many ways, epitomized what the problem has been and what the issue has been in Washington for these past three seasons. Yeah, I felt like the lines, the Giants had the better of us on both sides of the ball. I felt like they were more, it's just a sense I got that they were, it was a bigger game for them than it was for us, which is 
obviously not true, but it felt that way. Well, it was. It was. They came in like it was a bigger game. They were on our turf. They came to our house. They were the ones with their backs against the <clears> wall because we came off a of bye week after just playing them, and they just got their doors blown off by the Eagles, a team that we had beat earlier in the season. You know what I like, that's the difference between winning that game and losing that game. They were not going to take no for an answer. They got some help. Well, they have they no, respect, gonna... no respect for us. That fourth and nine play you guys were talking about, that was a fuck you. Yeah, we have gonna... no regard for you at, at any level call. Yeah. But, and there was even a point, there was even a point, and I want to say it was in the third quarter. Well, there were two things. Sorry. One. There was a point, I think it was in the second half, where we just legitimately went outside run to the right, outside run to the left, outside run to the right, outside run to the left. And you could see their defense breaking down every single time. I think it was Samuel ran to the right, and he got 11 or 10. Robinson ran to the left. He got another six or seven. Then I think Gibson came in and ran to – I'm like this is this is how you beat this team. You get those big, big chunky interior linemen moving side to side. They have nobody to speak of as far as linebacker goes. They literally just called up Landon Collins. You know how to beat Landon Collins. Just go look at the last two years of tape that he has and wearing our color jersey. You know what I mean? So you're watching these 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 flashes, and we stop doing it. Meanwhile, they look at it and they see some of the things that they're picking us apart. And then they start. Then they they capitalize on it, and then they start to major in that, and then we can, we we can't figure it out specifically on defense. When when I mean by their defense against our offense, I, I, there was a drive. There was there was I want to say it was one or two drives in the third quarter. We finally started getting pressure on Jones. We were in and around his feet. He started sailing. He was missing some easy throws, and so, it's like you figured it out. This is how you beat this team. And then it's like, well, you know what? That's working. Let's find something else just in case they adjust to our adjustment. I'm so sick and tired of watching this team do that. Stop changing it until they prove you need to change it. It's freaking working. Keep working it. Sorry. Yeah. Rant over. Yeah, we anyway. were, you were raised on – that's the Gibbs mantra right there, and we were raised on that, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you think it would be basic, simple, simple shit? Um, look, three weeks ago, I'd have said that this is the game we're definitely going to lose. Um, since then they've lost Jimmy Garoppolo and Debo Samuel. They've also honed 35 on the Buccaneers and then got into a dog fight with the Falcon, with the Seahawks. But could this be the game? Brock Purdy turns back into a pumpkin at midnight. He could be. I mean, he he is and he is Mr. Irrelevant for a reason. You know what I mean? Something ha- there's got to be a way to get to him to revert bad habits. Maybe. Tom Brady was a six-round draft pick for a reason too and all he's done is set records since he got in the starting line. Yeah, but so. not not well, well. It sounds like we're going to get um Ben St. Juice back this week. So mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Um in terms of, you know, having our best corner out there. I just think, I mean, I said it last week, put him in the dirt. Put him in the dirt. Put 
put intense pressure on him. He hasn't really been under intense pressure. He's played well. He's been sacked a total of four times, twice in each of the first two games. So I say we lay six on him and see how he how he does with six sacks. Um, they don't have a lot of weaknesses. That's that's the problem. We just gotta and we to me it's the same thing I keep saying over and over. I don't have any insight. It's we have to have all three units show up at the same game and play well. Um, we can't have missed extra points. We can't we can't go into the red zone twice as we did against the Giants and exit with that. Nothing. We can't do that. NFL teams that do that lose games, and we just have to do better, man. And I know they're – I mean, they're going to move the ball on us. They're going to run it on us. They're going to pass it on us. We just have to make it – we just have to limit it as best we can. But we got to score in this in this game. I don't, I don't think we see the same defense this week that we saw this last week. I think a lot of what happened to our defense this last week was Jack Del Rio looking at tape from two weeks ago and going – I cannot let Daniel Jones beat us. You know, the fact that we didn't get and so, he did. much as, so much as a knockdown tells me that the defense, the off the defensive line was playing to contain him. Right. Because there's no way in the world we get four sacks and however many quarterback hurries two weeks ago and their offensive line suddenly grow a spine in two weeks. You know, Deron Payne didn't, wasn't in the backfield at all. Neither. I, yeah. I, you I know, I don't, I don't think that's because Duran went, I'm taking a game off. Um, and I don't see Jack coming out this next week and saying we have to contain Brock Purdy. I think we pin our ears back and go after him and play the run on the way to the quarterback. The problem is what's up, but what's between our guys and them and him is is Trent Williams and and some some nasty MFers along that offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, I feel like I haven't let you. Well, talk we might that. have to revisit that. What was? What is it? The B word? I mean, there's there's these things that call that call are called blitzes that other teams seem to do. I don't think I've seen one in about six weeks. I don't know. Maybe I we have that, that that corner blitz that we last saw Mr. Saint Juice pull yes, off. I mean, what, it's what, been, was that four weeks ago? Is, it seems like it's been a while. What do you think, Paul? Um, well, the, the one thing that is uh, crossing my mind in regards to this game is how our offense is going to respond. Um, we, we all know about the strength of that defense. And if I had to bet, they would they will likely try to do their very, very best to shut down our run game and put this game on Taylor Heineke's shoulders. I'm really curious to know or if our offensive scheme is going to be let's go at them with our strength or if we are going to try and mix it up and try to catch this defense off guard a bit um you know do you stay true to who you are and just continue to run the ball and pound the ball even if san francisco shuts it down uh for for great you know for for the majority of the game or you know do you try to mix it up i don't know do you trust taylor heineke to do that it's 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 a question that I've asked, but I don't know the answer to it. I, me personally, Geno Smith. Let me see. Now that you know what, I'm gonna pass it off and I'll, and come back to me. I, I I think if 
Turner can get it through his thick skull that he has to run Robinson and periodically Gibson. And when he's not running them, he's got to act like he's running them. Taylor does better off the play action than he does when he just drops back. Um, you know, his biggest plays this week all came off play action. Granted, at that point in time, we're gashing the Giants for, a, for 7, 9, 11, 15 yards at a pop. And so they had to pay attention to the run. I don't feel like we're going to gash for the 49ers for that on a regular basis. We may get a couple of runs like that, but that's not going to be an all-day kind of a thing. It's going to be three, three or four yards in a cloud of dust, but we have to take our three or four yards in a cloud of dust and then take our play action passing and, and do something with it. No, I, I think we've got to ignore the tight ends. I don't trust our tight ends. I don't trust. Well, uh, I, would Turner got I wouldn't even have Logan Thomas out there. He's, this, a, he's a detriment right now. This I is, hate to say that, but I said it last week, and he went out and did the same damn things. Mental errors, mm-hmm. uh, can't block. Uh, well, to that, point, to that point, how many times did we see Logan Thomas get overthrown? Or 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 it's a hand and a half out front, and he That's can't get to too. it. And you, I know a lot of people put that on Taylor, but you start to ask the question: Is Logan Thomas is he hampered? Can he not get the ups? Is he is he slow out of the break? You know what I mean? Like, is he not? It, it, it like to John's point: Is he is he literally becoming a a, a hindrance as opposed is he, to a weapon? Is he physically a hundred percent, or or has he lost a step with that knee at this point in time? Yeah, right. I would rather I would rather put Bates out there, even though I think he's not the oh, and, gifts, but I'd still rather have him out there. So I think Taylor Taylor has got to have his best game of the year, and it, you know he, he's got to be Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible, not Gary Boosie coming off a Bud Light hangover. He he has to play well. I don't I don't think we can win this game if he doesn't play his best game of the year. I re, I really don't. Because I think I think we will run it some, but I don't think we're going to have the kind of running. I mean, if we do, uh, that's awesome. If we can run it thirty times and have the kind of production that we've been having, that's great. But I'm just not sure. I mean, it's the number one ranked rushing defense we're facing, and I don't I don't know how well that's going to go. So Heineke, yeah. it's going to be a lot on his shoulders. Is Armani Rogers hurt? Yes, he's on IR. I think he is on IR. Yep. Well, on the good, you know, on the good news side, I'm looking at the 49ers offense at the moment, and I don't recognize any of the names in their receiving core outside of Samuel and Kittle. And Samuel won't be on the field this week. Well, Ayuk is no joke. Yeah, I think I he's actually, out of college. I think he's actually their leading receiver. Believe it or not, not Samuel. Samuel Samuel's only catching like 59 percent of his, the balls thrown his way. That's the. Yeah. Ayuk's yeah. the- their leading receiver at 774. Well, Samuel's going to be – he's done for the year and then some. No, apparently yesterday Kyle Shanahan told the media they felt like they'd get him back on the field this year. Now, that may mean playoffs because they're talking right. about out three weeks, which should kill him for the rest of the regular season. But but they – But we don't have to see They'll him get him back, weekend. but they're not putting him on IR. So, so the, what I wanted to look at was – um. I think that Scott, I hope Rivera and Scott Turner are watching the film of the Seahawks offensively because I think Taylor Heineke can do everything Geno Smith can. 
maybe not the arm, but I think he's absolutely as athletic. Uh, and I, I would say that our wide receiving core can match them. I don't know that between Metcalf and Lockett, that's pretty potent, especially with the deep ball. But 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 Terry Samuel and Dotson should be able to create some separation. Um, looking at the stats, um, and I just had it up. I want to say Geno Smith had, threw the ball forty-four times, thirty-one completions, and it was about two seventy. Um, I would kill to have a day like that from Taylor. Uh, so, but if you watch those, a lot of those they're quick hitters, obviously. If you're averaging seven yards a pass or a completion, that's that's a quick hitting offense. A quick hitting offense. So their defense, uh, as opposed to their number one ranked rushing defense, they're 13th in yards on um, against passing, and but they are very good in the red zone. Apparently, uh, they're second in the league in points uh, scored passing wise. Sorry, it was 31 completions for 238 in a TD. Um, but they moved the ball, and while they still did lose 21-13 and they were down 21-6 to at the start of the fourth quarter, um, I, I don't see us running rough shot. We're not going to do it. It's just I, They're going to sell out to stop Robinson and Gibson. So it's going to be Taylor that wins this football game if we find a way to do it. I would be shocked if either one of those guys even sniffs 100 yards. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We want to make sure that you don't miss out on any future BGO Blind Pig podcasts. On our YouTube channel, simply hit the subscribe button. If you're listening to BGO Blind Pig via Apple Podcasts or another podcast provider, go to our description page and click that follow button. What were you going to say, Paul? I could see you trying to get a word in edgewise. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, you guys were talking about how it's imperative that Heineke plays amazingly well in this game um, in order to support that and in order to help that come to fruition. We really need to ensure that we're not getting ourselves in second and long and third and long situations against a defense like this. That's a recipe for a complete disaster. And I think Bob was alluding to it earlier uh, in that Giants game. I felt like we were in a lot of second and long situations. Um, you know, we, we had Curtis Samuel run. Uh, I, I believe he carried it five times for a total of one yard. And a yep. lot of them were sweeps. And I feel like a lot of them were on first downs after we had, you know, uh, developed some pretty good momentum with some Robinson runs and drives just seemed to fall at that point. We're in second and 10, second and nine. And, you know it's game over at that point. So we really need to uh, complement Heineke with first down success. And first down success might mean getting three yards. It might mean getting four yards and just living to see another day, living to see another play and, um, you know, going from there. Um, if, if Heineke has to shoulder the entire load and, you know, make something out of impossible situations, I feel like we're going to have a replica of that game a year ago in Buffalo way back in week three where it turned real ugly real fast and he's trying to do too much and playing hero and you know throwing interceptions left and right we can't have that because I feel that this can be a game that can get away from us really really quickly if we get impatient and allow it to become that 
Yeah, to to I don't know, almost to pile on, Paul. I so Logan Thomas's incomplete hit him in the hands and and ended up in the dirt. That was on first down. Second and ten, Giants blitzed and sacked Taylor. Now it's third and nineteen. Early in the game, it it hit Gibson in the hands. This was in the red zone. It hit Gibson in the hands. He didn't have a clear path to the to the to the end zone but it hit him in the hands he should have caught the ball and he would have had five yards so instead of second and five it's second and ten and we ended up kicking a field goal because the giants could then tee it up and come after us and and we you, we can't do that nick bosa's got 15 and a half sacks i was gonna i was gonna say if you think the giants are good at brushing the passer Right. Easy, nothing yet. <laughs> now, Bosa's almost the only guy. The next guy on the team's got four and a half sacks, and the next guy after that's got like two. But they've got like 12 guys that have a sack this season. You know? And so it starts They to- also have a hell of a good tight end in Kittle, and that scares right. me because we struggle with that, man. You know, that we just don't have a – other than Jamin, we just don't have a lot of strength in the middle. I mean, no, I, 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 I know yeah. Girl, Girl and Derek Forrester are doing a, a good job, but we just struggle with big, physical, nasty tight ends. We always yeah. have. And if you take Jamin out of the middle to cover Kittle, then who's going to play the run in the middle? Because, oh, by the way, McCaffrey's not bad. Yeah. He's also not bad catching the ball. So I think, honestly, I think the key to winning this game Purdy. Is going to find a way to force Purdy into uncomfortable positions, mm-hmm. and when you do that, you have to get home. You have to like in the chat. I said it a couple times. I did say it a couple times. He finished the hit. Just because you don't make the sack, finish the hit and do it legally, because that will wear on a guy, especially a guy that's a seventh round rookie. You know what I mean? A guy that hasn't been tossed around by NFL talent very much. It in, starts to feel different. In all honesty, if it's early in the game and in in things are still pretty even, and we're playing in their end of the the field, I don't even mind an illegal hit, Derek. <laughs> Get him. I'm, no, and it's not because I want to play dirty, but you know what I'm saying. Guys, lay off. Guys, pull back. And I, I think I think that first one's gotta hurt. And not it, hurt. Not hurt. And an injury hurt. Right. No. No. Like it's, a, no, it's got to like, make his eyes water. He's got to yeah. be thinking about it the next time he lines up. The next time he sees that formation, you want in his head going, shit, last time I got popped and, <laughs> and I'm still feeling it, right? Right. And I don't know whether Del Rio can do this, but I think he's going to have to bring something this week that nobody in the NFL has ever seen before. So the, one of the areas, one of the few statistical areas where we're actually better better than the 49ers they have uh, more fumbles than we do this year so that's just something to think about is so not just hitting not just tackling well but tackling like we've seen in stretches this year where it's just swarming to the ball and you know second and third guys slamming into the running back or the receiver after the catch they're prone they're they're 17th in the league 16th in the league and fumbles so they're not terrible but they have given up the ball quite a bit. So that's an area to possibly that we could use to our advantage. 
turnovers could be the difference this week, John. Great point. If we can force a couple turnovers, I think that changes. changes I think that the game plan, like you guys were talking about, I think that's the most interesting thing. And I, and I honestly have no idea which way they're going to go. Are they going to say we can run on them and we're going to? Is it going to be one of those games where it's like, don't tell us we can't run on anyone. We can run on anyone. Are you and, talking about us? Yes. And we stubbornly pound it 40 times. Yeah, and, and then lose. Uh, whether or not that whether or not that works out or or not, I have no idea. Or are they going to say, as I think we we tend to lean, which is we're not going to be able to run on them, so we're going to have to go to the air more. Or if that's, the that's other fine. thing, is go to the running backs. Don't hand it off so much. Right. Get it to Sam. Get it to you know all these hybrid guys we have beyond the line of scrimmage, and then let them go. That and, might be. The- that's fine if you want to do that, but you better not do it out of an empty set five wide every damn time you drop back. No, in fact, I, I, I think I think I would love to see Brian Robinson be second or third on this team in targets this week behind McLaurin. I think I think that I think that might be one of those things that San Francisco is not expecting. We throw to Robinson once, twice a game. Maybe. And he does a really good job, right? I mean, he had a really nice – he broke off a nice one to open up Sunday night. But but we don't – we tend not to come back to him. We tend to pull him and put Gibson in and throw to Gibson. Well, let's just – let's put Rob, Robinson in, show run, and throw to him. Do you guys think that they might potentially give any thought to the idea of – going quick tempo this week against San Francisco. I, I almost feel like to a certain extent, you need to be unpredictable against these guys. Like we're facing the top defense in the league, throw something different at them that might get them, that might get them thinking. Do you think there's any possibility of that transpiring? Because Heineke has shown from time to time that he can play relatively well in a, a quick tempo setting. I think it's one of his strengths, Paul. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they have done it. I don't know what drives them to do it when they do it, but they have done it very effectively. Like, even the last couple of games, we've had a couple of drives where they went up tempo. Go ahead. To answer your question, Paul, I hope they do something. Let me put it that way, because here's what I can tell you. If we trot the same offense that we've trotted out over the last couple weeks, Kyle Shanahan knows it. I guarantee it. Not because he was here before, but because he's that good. Kyle Shanahan knows. He's motivated. I don't know if that translates to the team, but he he hates Washington. He wants to he wants to humiliate us. Right, and And he he is brilliant. He will take what you do bad, and he will exploit it, and he will take advantage of it, and he will force you into bad habits because he's that good at what he does. You're the really other thing to think about, like, years, what's up? Do you really think after 10 years he, he still cares? Yeah, I do. I think he's do still you? Okay. I, I don't I, – I think his priority is winning this football game and maintaining their position in the – because because of the Minnesota miraculous win over the, the Colts, they're still oh – they're still looking up at the second seed. But, but I, I do think that he's got a little chip, even if it's not – Oh, I'm motivating myself. It's when he's sitting down with his dad, having a glass of, you know, having a, having a drink. 
you know, that conversation comes up and it's how sweet would it be to hang 40 on this team? You know what I mean? And then it's and still then Dan game, Snyder's team, right? Huh? It's still Dan Snyder's team. Right. And then, and then in game, instead of saying, you know, it's third and six, let's just hand it to McCaffrey and set up a punt. He's going to say, no, let's hit him with that. <laughs> let's hit him with that Kittle screen and see if we can't do some real damage. You know what I mean? I don't know that he's going to change his whole whole dynamic about it. I think at the end of the day, he still wants to win just as much. But I think there might be a couple little little needles that he pulls in there. Yeah, I think he's too professional to change his dynamic and try and design a win like that. But if we give him the opportunity, he's I think he's perfectly it. willing to twist the knife. Okay. Yeah, I, I, that's a fair statement. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys, what do you think happens? I'll lead it off. Normally I go last. I'll lead it off. I'm going to be honest with you. I think we're going to see it's going to, I, I think it, it it's not going to be very pretty. I think we'll hang for a little while um, just because of sheer talent. Um, I think our defense can match up with their offense and Purdy. Um, but I, I think it ends up being a two score game at the end. Uh, also Christian McCaffrey just got snubbed from the pro bowl. So you do wonder if he's going to come into the game a little pissed off, you know what I mean? Like, all right, I'm going to show you bastards. Uh, and if Shanahan's going to major in McCaffrey to let him do it, I don't know. Um, but I, I think we could see something 29-17. San Fran. And I hope I'm wrong. I don't I actually I actually think the defense does something this week. I mean the defense does something every week, right? But I think we see a different defense than we saw this week. They held the Giants to 13 this last week. You know, if we really look at it, this is this is one of the better defensive units in the league. And they're playing against as as much as he's got a tremendous unit around him, they're still playing against a guy with what? Five starts, four starts under his belt. Maybe not even that. Three starts? I don't remember. Um, Purdy's only – yeah, is it two starts? Yeah, I mean, Purdy's, Purdy's really only been in the lineup three or four weeks. With a second-year defensive coordinator. And, and that just seems like a recipe for Del Rio to feast. Now, do I really think Kyle Shanahan is going to give us that opportunity? He's going to try and limit that as much as possible. He knows exactly what we're going to do. He knows we're going to go after the new kid. I mean, he's a smart guy. So he's going to try and limit the amount of damage we can do to Brock Purdy. And I think in the end, he's probably somewhat successful. But I also think that that means he doesn't actually open the offense up as much as maybe he would against some other defenses. So I'm thinking 24-16 with three Joey Joey Sly field goals in there. Because we can only find the end zone once because that's pretty much our MO these days. What do you think, Paul? I think we're going to take a licking this week. Um, I mean, our def- let's face it, our defense has, has performed admirably this season. Um, you know, and, and it's a shame that come the end of the year, we might very well have nothing to show for it. Uh, let's face it, with the type of defensive performances that our defense has given us overall this year, that should be good enough to get into the playoffs. 
Um, but what I fear this coming week is I fear that the defense will just be on the field far too often. And I think things can get quite ugly or have the potential to get quite ugly. Um, the last two weeks against New York, that has to be weighing on this team, um, you know, mentally. Uh, nobody could be feeling good about, you know, playing the Giants and not being able to even muster one victory. So I, I can see this being a week where we just come out flat and just don't have the juice, uh, kind of a, a little bit of a hangover, a little bit of disappointment from previous weeks lingering and carrying over into Saturday's game. Again, I can see it getting really ugly. I'm going to say 30 to 10. So it's a must-win game for us. I mean, we have to have this game. In some ways, that gives me hope because we – it seems like – We fire away. Our backs were only kind of to the wall against the Giants, but they really are up against the wall. And these guys seem to respond to that. Also, they seem to respond to when people tell them that they have no chance in hell of beating a team, excuse me, like Philadelphia earlier. Um. But I just can't muster the belief despite saying that. Um, I think Heineke is going to throw up. A, I think he's going to be under a lot of pressure. He, he, No one loves to throw up the prayer ball more than Taylor. And he's gotten away with way too many of those this year. And I think this might be the game where he doesn't get away with it. And he gets a couple of those, you know, we, we go, go deep and it gets picked off. I also think there's a decent chance that he they knock him out of the game because he he's already said he's taken a lot of hits the last couple of weeks. In fact, he said today that he was pretty beat up or yesterday he said that he's fairly well beat up right now. Um and I think he's going to get more beat up with that San Fran defense. So I I I just have that feeling that he might not that he might this might be a game where he takes a, a few too many hits and they have to put Wentz out there. So I'm not hoping for that. I'm just saying I think it could happen. So I'm calling it 30-17. And again, I think it's going to be, there are going to be some picks involved that that make the difference on the other side of the other side of the field. Question. Do you think St. Juice plays? Do you think Young plays? Yes to both is my vote. Uh, I think Young, for some reason, doesn't play. I think St. Jude's does. But was it not already confirmed that St. Jude's was going to be playing this weekend? It may have been. It has, like, he, he himself may have said it. It, it, yeah, has, it hasn't been confirmed be by the club, but, but St. Yeah. Jude's said he was ready to go. And <laughs> when Rivera was asked, Rivera said it's basically that it's trending in that direction. So here's the question. If Young plays, do you think he makes a difference or he looks like a passenger? I have no idea. <laughs> I'll be shocked. I'll be pleasantly surprised if he enters any game this season and is effective. Just let me put it just because he was not effective for 10 games before he got hurt. He hasn't played a football game in 14 months. If he I'm plays, he, if he plays, is he? Out, 
is he going to be in the event that he does play, is he lining up opposite Trent Williams? Because I feel as though if he is, that's not a favorable matchup after <laughs> such a long layoff. <laughs> I no, say I think if not. I think if you play young, you play him at left end, and you mm-hmm. let Sweat, yeah, line up against Trent Williams. You know, then that's something we really didn't talk about. It's you know, it's not like Sweat and Williams don't know each other. Same thing with Allen and Payne. Well, but Allen and Payne aren't going to be lining up against Trent Williams as a general rule of thumb. Your ends line up against your – they may end up yeah. out there, but it's not going to be an every play kind of thing, whereas right, right, right. Trent Williams could be staring at Montez Sweat across that line and, and know – the game, yeah. Right, and know Sweat's coming all day long. Doesn't – you know, I, sadly, I've got to say Sweat's no, no Thibodeau. I hate that. Oh, my gosh. But – I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like having St. Houston young back might be a little bit of a pick me up for this, for this defense. I don't know. Maybe I'm grasping at straws too. And I'm desperate. I could very well be desperate. Well, I think St. Houston is absolutely a pick me up. I mean, that guy's a different, I mean, he looked like a difference maker the last three or four games he, he played before he got hurt. And as far as young goes, I, I just don't know. I don't think there's any way to have a, a, you know, educated opinion on that. But I think they're looking. F- I think it's exactly what you said, Bob. I think they're looking for a spark. And who the who the hell knows? You, I wouldn't want to bet a million dollars against Chase Young, like having two sacks in his first game back. Who knows? Anything can happen. Yeah. But I mean, we've talked. We've we've said multiple times now that this coaching staff's got to have some kind of a surprise. We've got to pull something out of the bag that San Francisco either hasn't seen or isn't expecting in any way, shape, or form. And at the moment, I'm not sure anybody in the league expects Chase Young to suit up again this year. That might be a little bit of a surprise to have 99 show up on the field Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon. I don't know. I'm just. We'll see. Like I said, I'm desperate, man. I'm desperate. <laughs> All right, fellas, we were one short tonight. Apparently, Mark was too busy. Uh, I don't know, getting ready for Christmas or something. Wrapping so we'll Christmas give, presents. Give him a hard time next week. But uh, it's been a pleasure, fellas, and hopefully, fingers crossed, we can do something. I'm not saying I'm rooting against him. I'm just not confident either. I'm staying out of the chat room this weekend, man. I think I, I ruined it last weekend with my balloon. You were fine, John. You were fine. I don't know. Yeah, you were fine. <laughs> Trust me, dude. You'd get a text message from me telling you to lighten up if you weren't. I, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> All right, All right boys. Hey, have, have a, a great night. Christmas, my friends. You too, boy. Whatever you celebrate. That's right. Thanks for listening to BGO Blind Pig. Join us next time as we once again dive into the ups and downs of DC football fandom. And don't forget to check out our incredible community of Washington football fans at www.bgobsession.com.